0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Sunning 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today I'm joined by Andrew Rutten, and we are talking about how our battle is not against flesh and blood. I was so encouraged and challenged by this conversation, and I am praying that you will be too. All right, friends, today I am joined by Andrew Rutten, aka Aret. Hey, Aret. How's it going? Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks. Is this a third time? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Record. I know. That's amazing. I'm honored.
0: Glad to have you here. So today we are talking about who our battle is against. And spoiler alert, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So today we're just talking about what does it mean in Ephesians 6 when it says that? What does that mean for us? What are ways that we can be aware of that our battle is not against flesh and blood in the day-to-day, in the everyday? So we're going to start out by... Reading Ephesians six ten through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Ara, what does this mean that our struggle, that our wrestle, is not against flesh and blood?
1: Well, the the first thing that comes to mind is so uh, Paul earlier in Ephesians has been talking about uh, unity in the church, and so he talks about so that the church was made up of Jews and Gentiles that were, in a lot of ways, had a lot of animosity towards each other, and and. I guess without Christ fought a lot with each other or were in some ways racist or prejudiced against each other. And so he's been pressing this whole book, of basically how to have unity and to not see each other kind of as the enemy. And so it, it makes sense that at the end of this book, it's almost like a cap and he's reminding this church that we really the the fights that we have and like the the big, battles that are going on, while it can seem oftentimes like it's really with other people. And even for us today, maybe that would look like, um, I mean, it could look like people that are really close to us that we just get annoyed with and we fight with. It could look like other religions. We think, man, we're at a, you know, we're at war with people of other religions for the, for the souls of people yeah. or whatever. Or, yeah. you know, we have all these things where we think that we are really battling against people. And Paul's reminding us that there's actually a bigger war going on and a bigger battle, and it's not actually between people, which just falls in line with the whole book of Ephesians, which is about the unity of people, specifically within the church.
0: If our battle, our battle isn't against people, other Christians, which is like the flesh and blood. Yeah, that's the what flesh he's and talking yeah. about.
1: Is like people essentially. Yeah.
0: yeah. So if our battle isn't against people, flesh and blood, what is our battle against?
1: Well, specifically in the passage, it says uh, that it's against rulers, the authorities, and cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil. So, I would say that's kind of a way to summarize. You know, we would talk about it being like either Satan or you know his fallen angels, which we call demons. Um, But really, I I think at the core, what Paul's saying is anything that is going against. God and so he talks about like the the darkness or forces of evil. So if that's that's like the opposite of God. So he's light and he is good and love and everything that is perfect and whole. So anything that's going against the Lord or pushing against his ways or his glory, I think Paul's saying that is ultimately what we're fighting and really that comes from the prince of darkness or Satan himself, I think, is like the pinnacle of it. And then he leads this whole world moving away from God.
0: Yeah, so basically, well, one way to define spiritual warfare, anything that is leading us away from Christ or distracting us from or leading us into sin could be considered spiritual warfare.
1: I think so. I think the, yeah, again, I think the, like, core of it is probably – Um, Satan. So he was the first one to fall. He was the one who tempted humans. He's been at work in the world to get humans to move away from God and to not glorify him and love him. So I think in some ways it's easy to say at the core it's Satan and anything demonic, but really broadly speaking, he's at work in the world and he has the whole world moving in the opposite direction now. And so in Ephesians talks about this. Um, I think in other places it talks about how he really he's the prince of this world so he's like overseeing the rebellion of the yeah. world going in the wrong direction away from god so in that way yeah i think um spiritual warfare is primarily about satan but also really just anything that kind of falls in line with that
0: yeah is it possible that we blame things on spiritual warfare that aren't or maybe basically what we were, you were just saying is it possible we blame things on satan cuz some things there are some things that the lord allows to uh, to shape us refine us you know so mm. even not even like suffering necessarily is all spiritual warfare i don't know if that makes sense yeah do we blame yeah. do we blame easily just everything on spiritual warfare that might not be
1: well i do think it's probably good to make the distinction you said so first you said blame things on satan that so i think I think it is true that we can blame things on Satan that really aren't specifically Satanic or like from Satan. So C.S. Lewis had a famous line where he said there's really two problems we make with Satan. One is thinking that he's not involved in anything. So we're just completely oblivious Mm -hmm. to him. The other is thinking he's involved in everything. And so that every little thing that happens, well, that's Satan, you know, and he said, really, neither of those are true. So he is at work, but he's also limited. So God... Is still in control of him, so there is limitations to what Satan can do, and there's also just effects of the world in general being broken. Yeah. So Satan might not always be attacking you. You might we're just in a broken world. Yeah. So sometimes bad things happen because the world isn't functioning as it should because of sin. Right. Also, we have to recognize a lot of times we struggle and suffer not because Satan did anything, but because we sinned, you know, like you live in sin and, you know, God says, well, you'll reap what you sow. Like you live in sin, you're going to face consequences of sin. So if you, um, you know, let's say that you, uh, maybe you're married and you have, you just have not treated your spouse well at all, or maybe you have an affair on your spouse well, you're going to face consequences of that. And I don't think we should say like, well, Satan did yeah. it. You know, he yeah. screwed up my life. No, like your your own sin yeah. did that and you face consequences. So I think we have to be careful not to blame everything on Satan. Like I think it's good to be reflective of, okay, did, did did something I do cause this? Is this just, we live in a broken world and so bad things just happen sometimes. Or we do need to have one of our categories being that there can be like satanic or demonic actual like attacks or yeah. temptations and stuff.
0: Yeah. Some suffering is allowed by God to refine us, shape us. And then that's not necessarily that might not necessarily be Satan, but Satan uses that or mm. sneaks in there when you're suffering, when you're in isolated low points. And then comes spiritual warfare, possibly, you know, if you're not continuously seeking the Lord in the midst of your suffering or the tough place that you're in. So I was just, I was just thinking in my head, like how it is kind of two different things, but he's always scheming and sneaking in, in whatever circumstance the Lord has allowed in your life.
1: Yeah. And I think Job is an interesting example of that. So if you read the first couple chapters of the book of Job, he, so Satan goes to God, and he has to basically get permission from God to do anything, which is just interesting. I mean, because oftentimes we can think, man, Satan just has this unlimited power. Well, he doesn't. Like, Job's very clear that he has to ask God, like, what he can do, and God puts limits on that, which is interesting. But, But basically, Job gets attacked from Satan because God allowed it to happen. So in some ways, like the suffering that Job went through was from the Lord ultimately, because it was the Lord who allowed this all to happen, but it was at the hand of Mm -hmm. Satan. So he actually played a part in that. And so I think sometimes we can think, you know, if Satan's in something, that must mean it goes against the will of God. But even Satan is actually, which is really weird, and maybe this is, a, it's getting us (laughs) off, but like he's actually even an instrument of God too. Like God is actually still in control even over Satan, yeah. and so yeah, when we're thinking about what Satan does, God, you know Romans eight twenty eight, God works all things for the good of those who love Him. So even if Satan's attacking or he is, uh, we're in a season of some sort of temptation or suffering, the Lord still can work through that. And I think that's where then it moves just from like our view of Satan into this like spiritual warfare. So kind of what you were talking about of. In those moments when, say, you're suffering, whether it's just you're suffering to su- just because like you're suffering or something's happening, or you're suffering because of some sort of effect from Satan, um, the warfare is: Am I going to succumb to Satan's temptations to like stray away from God, or am I actually going to stick with God, to follow God, keep my eyes on God, keep trusting God, even when my circumstances say? that maybe God's not good anymore, or maybe I should give up on following God. That's where I think the warfare actually really comes in.
0: Yeah. And for Christians, we should be expecting this all the time, at all times, this spiritual warfare, which again, Ephesians 6, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too, like why we put on the armor of God. But if you're a Christian, yeah, we should not be surprised when we are facing spiritual warfare, when... The enemy is trying to get us to turn away from Christ. And if you have never experienced spiritual warfare, then maybe that would be a good time to ask the question Is my faith in Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit inside of me? You know, because the enemy is not after lukewarm Christians. The enemy is not after people that are, their faith is not in Jesus. The enemy is not after people that half heartedly profess Jesus, but maybe they're. Faith in life is not actually surrendered to them. The enemy is after those living on mission, those serving the Lord with their entire lives. So if that's you, if you, God willing, your life is surrendered to Christ, we should be expecting this spiritual warfare and we should be aware that our enemy is not against flesh and blood. It is against Satan. So what does it look like for us if we believe that this is true, that our battle is is not against flesh and blood what practically would it look like if we lived out of that belief that it's not against people or even our problems our coworkers our spouse our friendships our family our enemies but we believe it's against mm-hmm. satan what practically would it look like if we lived out of that belief
1: I'll give one quick thought and then I'd love to hear what you'd say I I think the the first thing that comes to mind is when we do find ourselves getting annoyed with somebody or getting frustrated with somebody or wanting to kind of pick a fight with somebody. I think one practical thing is to actually slow down and I think just being a lot slower in how we respond mm-hmm. to people and situations because it's easy once, you know, somebody says something that you disagree with or you don't like or whatever or this hurtful mm-hmm. and you just start, you know, either like actually verbally, like getting into the fight with them, or even just in your mind or your heart, you start to grow bitter with them or get frustrated with them or start putting all these motives on them that they're, you know, all these different things. I think we would actually just slow down and see that really, even the the fight, what's happening in, internally with you at that moment of you wanting to fight them or wanting to defend yourself or whatever, um, that that's not, that's like the surface level thing, but that's not the deepest thing that's going on. There's actually something deeper. There's this like, cosmic battle for good, especially if it's between two Christians, because the, I mean, over and over and over again, the Bible talks about the unity of Christians. So like you just said, we should not be surprised that Satan would want to divide the church because Jesus says the unity and love that we have for one another is going to be one of the greatest markers of the church. So we should expect that, well, that's going to be a place that Satan's actually going to attack. So especially if it's with other Christians or even, you know, your spouse or whatever, if if you start to feel like that quick impulse towards like anger, getting upset yeah. with somebody, I think just taking a step back, slowing down and starting or recognizing that there's probably actually something bigger at play here and that your fight really isn't with this person. Yeah. So that's kind of broad, but I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. But what would you say?
0: Yeah, well, first, I just wanted to read John ten ten and just talk about what the enemy is out to do. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So if you are following Jesus, like we said before, we can promise that the the enemy is out to kill you, steal from you and destroy you. He is out to steal your joy, peace, contentment. He's out to cause division in the church, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, and with the help of the spirit, if we can be constantly aware that the enemy is who our battle against, who our battle is against, that will help us squash his schemes and walk in the freedom with God that we're meant to be walking in. So I think for me, it's super similar to what you said, just that day-to-day awareness. Because gosh, the amount of times, right, that I'm quick to uh, be like whether that's judgmental or cynical or slightly annoyed with people around me, even people I see and close to and love so much when I am constantly aware, oh my gosh, my battle is not against them and really what they're saying or what they did. I just even being aware that the enemy would really like me to be annoyed and then like tally up these list of annoyances of this person and then maybe count them off or not love them as well because oh my gosh, I've had these twenty list of annoyances. So I really don't and now it's in my heart and now I'm bitter, you know. And so just that constant awareness, even even in my marriage, even yesterday, I'm like it's it was one of those weeks where, you know, you're all of a sudden everything was in the same week. So you didn't really get to have some good time, intentional time with your spouse. So you're not even mad at your spouse. You're sad that you haven't seen your spouse. But then you take it out on your spouse, even though they really didn't do anything. So then I'm literally yesterday in my head. Oh, my gosh. I even am aware at the enemy's schemes. Like I am aware that the enemy is trying to cause this unity between me and my husband. And even it's hard to battle when I am aware of that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know this battle is not against. My husband's actually the last person this battle is against. But just being aware that the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. So I think even lately, just like conversations with friends, me and two of my closest friends, um, it's just been really helpful that we've been having this at the forefront of our minds. So even when we come and process something about something frustrating that is valid and frustrating yeah. and and not even maybe like with my husband where really it was me creating it, let's say it's actually like a yeah. valid frustration, like um, someone sinned against them, like a true problem, even in that moment, being able to remind each other Hey, your frustration your frustrations are valid and you are suffering because of this person's sin and also your battle isn't against them. Mm-hmm. So the enemy really wants you to be so angry at them and just taking a step back and remembering the enemy is out for them too right mm-hmm. now. The enemy is out to kill, steal and destroy them. And what would it look like for us to like separate what they've their sin and maybe how they've sinned against you and and themselves so it's not they're not one with that just like i like like we'd hope that in our friendships and our marriages that they wouldn't count us one as that when we sin against them obviously that's like harder said than done when there's hurt and different layers of stuff but that's just been helpful of like okay oh i'm so sorry and we want to remember right now that the enemy really wants you to just be like done with them. Right. The enemy really wants you to count them off and be so angry at them and you may even have the like be justified, quote unquote. Even with a righteous right. anger, if maybe something. did what would it look like that we remember the enemy's trying to cause disunity and what would it be like to forgive them, not that you didn't have the right to be offended or hurt mm. and take a step towards them and love them knowing that your battle is not against right. that yeah. person
1: yeah i think that's a helpful reminder that the the things that we face like interpersonally so within our relationships th- those actually are those are real issues yeah. and stuff so it, it is good to not try to say that those aren't you know yeah. don't worry about those but i think what paul's trying to do here is say there's something greater like that's that is just layer one, like, but you can actually go down and there's a bigger thing at play here. And I think the warfare, because people will always hurt each other, like whether yeah. we're, you know, little things that you say or things that you do or you don't do, whatever the relationship is, like, that's just the nature of we're all sinners. And like yep. you said, I mean, it's good to recognize that even of ourselves, like yeah. we hurt people, people hurt us. Yep. That's just kind of the nature of it the beauty of the gospel is that it allows us to confess those things. It allows us to own those things and it brings healing and restoration. What spiritual warfare would do or what, you know, the enemy would want is what you're saying is bringing division. So like not having you talk about it, not having somebody own up to their sin. I mean, the gospel frees us. So if, if, you know, we're talking and I hurt you, like you could have the response of just getting bitter, getting frustrated, kind of like writing me off, like you said, but the gospel actually says no you could come to me and say hey this thing you said was it really hurtful i'm free to admit yeah i cuz i'm a sinner so i don't yeah. need to say that i'm perfect <laughs> yeah. like jesus had to die for me because i just am a sinner and i'm going to hurt people yeah. so i'm free to own that and to like acknowledge that you're free to bring that and then the gospel actually frees us to forgive each other and mm-hmm. to move forward not as if nothing happened yeah. but actually like healed and restored yeah. And, and so there's not these like little chips or tallies that we're like keeping. Yeah. And so I think the spiritual warfare aspect of that is to either not say anything, to just get bitter, to mm-hmm. not actually be able to own your own sin in relational conflict, all of that stuff. We actually have victory in in the Lord that we can do all of that in the gospel. And so I think that's a again that's a helpful way to to think that if if you have conflict with other people, we're not saying don't deal with it because really you just got to wrestle with Satan. No, like deal with it because the gospel actually frees you to that. And in doing that, I think is a way that we can actually beat spiritual warfare, especially we're talking a lot about relational issues, but I think that's one of the ways that we can actually do it.
0: Yeah. Even in, in my own life, I think of some of my closest relationships. Like you said, the reality is we're actually, it's not if, but like we're going to probably hurt at some point. If we're doing lots of life with, people we're going to sin against them you know and i even think of how yeah having that freedom to come have those conversations apologize receive forgiveness or ask for forgiveness and then move forward actually i just would imagine is so pleasing to god and like brings him even more glory because then those relationships are even deeper and on this foundation Of the gospel that is, hey, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry that I wronged you. Oh, my gosh, I forgive you. Or like, hey, this thing you do is hurtful. I know I've Mm -hmm. never told you, but it is. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even know. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm going to be aware of that. Like, I mean, there's a plethora of ways that we sin against each other. And even just thinking about those relationships, like those are some of my deepest relationships, because I also know that we will, we're committed to pursuing unity, which is how we, we would hope the whole church would be right. But yeah, just challenging anyone listening and myself continually. Gosh, I always want to be pursuing unity with my brothers and sisters. Um, because then, yeah, the relationships are even deeper because I know they're not going anywhere. When I do sin, I don't have to pretend that I'm not going to sin and I don't have to be afraid that all anyone close to me is going to flee. If when I do sin,
1: There's I don't know if there's anything more like simultaneously freeing and scary to say like (laughs) you can just own up to all of your sin. Like it's so freeing to say like, okay, I don't actually have to try to justify any of my actions. Like I said something hurtful yesterday. Well that's I'm a sinner. I'm going to do that and I'm trying to like obviously get better and be godly, but that's just going to happen and so yeah. i can freely own that and conf- you know and confess that but it's also obviously scary cuz we just we live in this way of trying to like hide those things yeah. and come off as if we are put together especially as christians cuz we can think like well i'm following god so i shouldn't be doing those yeah. things instead of the gospel actually saying no you're following god because jesus has saved you from all these things cuz you are a sinner that's continually doing this yeah I think one other, if I can do one more quick story, I think, so you mentioned John 10, where it talks about the thief coming to steal and kill and destroy. Um, So I think one of the ways I think about spiritual warfare recently in my life has been, obviously, with the, the different health issues that I've had over the last year. And, you know, I've thought a lot about the story of Job that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, I've wondered, like, okay, so in that story, God basically says, you know, because Job is, you know, my guy essentially like he's with me. You can attack him, you can, you know, cause different harm to him, to people he loves all this stuff. Um and and so Satan's doing that and there's this warfare that's going on there and Job is fighting to believe in God and that's the whole book essentially And it's hard because, you know, so I have no idea what the purpose of all of this is over the last year, but I do think the spiritual warfare of of my sickness, sickness, yeah, I don't really know what, you know, what God is doing in that. I don't know exactly his purpose, his role, whatever. Um, But the spiritual warfare aspect I do think is throughout this whole year, there's always the temptation to get angry at God, to believe that God really isn't in control, that he really can't be good anymore because of this. Um, and so I think that those are the, those are the like practical things. Like when you're actually suffering or you're hurting or you're getting really frustrated, it's easy to start letting those little lies and temptations, which was true of Job, which was true of Adam and Eve in the garden. That's how it's, you know, Satan got into them right away is just getting them to start doubting God and questioning God. So I think that's part of our spiritual warfare is actually, taking and maybe we'll get into this in a second with the armor of God but yeah. taking the truths that we know even when our circumstances maybe are trying to get us to doubt those things and yeah. and you know in the moment when you're really vulnerable cuz you're tired or hurting or sad or whatever it those are the moments where you actually need to know the truths you know yeah. before so that you can bank on those even when you don't necessarily feel them and i think that's a lot of what the warfare or the battle is in those moments it's like yeah. fighting to believe the things that you know, but maybe you don't really feel or yeah. see in the moment.
0: Yeah. So what are helpful ways that we can be ready for battle and we that we can remember that our battle isn't against flesh and blood and stand against the enemy's schemes. So you want to practically live this out, but it's so hard, of course. Um, But let's go back to Ephesians 6 and see how we're able to do that. So starting with verse 13, it says, Therefore... So it just talked about how our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy schemes. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, Given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So how how do we do this practically? Well, the Lord, we don't do this on our own practically on our own. Apart from Christ, there is no good on it good in us. So apart from Christ, we we cannot look at our brother or sister and not get annoyed with them and not count up tally up wrongs from them or just be completely hurt be completely bitter at people and we're not able to see that our battle is not against flesh and blood but here it tells us the ways that we stand against enemy schemes is to put on the armor of god can you kind of talk to us about the armor of god
1: yeah i mean there's so there's obviously a lot there and there's different pieces of it, like the pieces of the armor, and you could probably go in depth in all of them. I think the the biggest thing I think it's helpful for us is exactly what you said. This is you know the name of it is the armor of God. So one thing we have to recognize is that this is literally what what I would say this summing this all up is we have to actually be in Christ. Like all of these things are benefits of the gospel, whether it's you having truth, having righteousness, having peace having faith salvation all these things are actually what we have in Christ and so the the core of this is christian remember who you are in Christ and daily it's the fight to not live in your old identity but your new identity in Christ and then you can get into all the specifics of like how to do these specific things but i think the the main thing is recognizing when we talk about spiritual warfare this is all true of us. We have all these things because we have Christ. And so it's really just living out of your new identity in Christ. I, we, I don't know how much you want to get into specifics. One I would say though, is, um, the, I think the, the, one of the big things to fight spiritual warfare is in verse 18, it talks about praying at all times in the spirit, man. I think, so again, that's, Prayer with the Father is opened up to us through Christ, so he actually allows that to happen, um, and we do that through the Spirit. But I think we will not be a people that actually fight spiritual warfare. Again, if we don't slow down in those moments Mm -hmm. and actually just pray and get our eyes on God and on, like, okay, this really is a bigger war. Okay, my sin might have been part of this. Okay, I feel like this really is, like, from the enemy And you have to actually just take a moment, slow down, pray, and actually work through the situation that you're in and not impulsively respond out of anger, bitterness, defending yourself, whatever the situation might be that you want to respond in, but actually stopping and praying and remembering, you know, in Christ, you're free to forgive, in Christ, you're free to own sin, in Christ... Um, you're actually victorious over this sin. Maybe the spiritual warfare is like this nagging sin that you have that you just can't find victory over. Well, actually praying through that and remembering, oh, I actually do have victory in Christ. And yeah. so I am not a slave to this sin anymore. So I just think the the idea of praying at all times feels like that is is such an important component to fighting spiritual warfare.
0: Yeah. So just to wrap up this episode and maybe we'll have to do a full episode on each of the things in the armor of God, but kind of what you were just touching on, but touch on it again. So why is this not a scary thing for us that we are battling every single day against an unseen enemy, demonic spiritual forces? Why is this actually not a scary thing for us? If, if you are in Christ, if your life is surrendered to the Lord.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not scary because if you are in Christ, the war is already won. I was just reading uh, the other day in Colossians 2, it talks about how um, all the rulers and authorities, Jesus already has victory over. He's He has won the war when he died and rose again. He has ascended in heaven now with all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. So that's everything is in Christ. And if you are in Christ, that means you are in this victory. So because you are united to Christ, you actually have complete victory over all these things. So yeah. if the idea of, let's just take Satan or demonic things, which can be a scary thing. Just yeah. that you think about it, it's like can be really scary. Um, I would encourage you just read through some of the gospel stories, like, literally Jesus just coming in contact with the demons they have nothing like against him and just by the power of his word he tells them whatever he wants to and they have to do it and so just know that if you are in Christ that's actually the power that you have in him and so while it can feel scary or just oftentimes because of how we maybe think of Satan or the demonic and it's really unknown and scary and all of this Honestly, like Jesus has so much more power yeah. over that. And if you're in Christ, you're in him. And so you have power over that through Jesus. And so um, the victory's won. You have power. If you need to remember that, uh, literally just read through the Gospels and yeah. see how Jesus interacts with the demonic.
0: Yeah. If you are in Christ, you are on the winning side already. And I love this quote from a Chuck Smith commentary on Ephesians six twelve, And it just says, um, it says, speaking about realizing and knowing that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. He says, the outcome of this battle is the mastery over my life. So, if you believe your battle is against flesh and blood, that will master your life. You will be, you will be yeah, bitter. You will be offended. But if you know that your battle is against the enemy, it is not against the people or problems in your life. Um, then that will master your life. That truth that the victory has already been won. If you are in Christ, Christ. Died and resurrected on your behalf. And yeah, you have the victory. Ara, do you have a challenge for us this week?
1: Uh, Yeah, here's one thing I was just thinking about. So we talked a lot about like relational conflicts and stuff. Because we are, the gospel has freed us from some of these things. Here would be my challenge. If you've listened to this uh, and maybe somebody has come to mind or some situation where you just have had conflict or tension, or maybe you've been really upset at somebody for a while. And you've never said anything, and you can just tell it's growing bitterness. Um, I do think that is like Satan is happy about that, especially if it's yeah. with another Christian. So yep. I would say my challenge is this week, when you listen to this, um, actually go and have a conversation. If somebody's coming to your mind right now, or a situation where you have tension, some sort of relational issue, I would say go to them and actually just confess that. The gospel frees you to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to say, "I'm hurt in this way," or if you know you've sinned against somebody. To go and just own that sin. Um, and, you know, hopefully by God's grace, they respond well. But honestly, even if they don't, um, that's really not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to own whatever you can or to be honest yes. about how you're feeling. And if you're feeling really bitter towards somebody, just telling them and getting that out, even if they don't respond amazing. Um, your bitterness is actually really just hurting you at this yeah. point, you know. And so, so be my challenge. If somebody's come to mind or a relational conflict, um, to actually have the conversation this week and and deal with it, and trust that the Lord um, has freed you from having to hold on to that or having to hide your sin in that relationship.
0: Love that. Challenged by it. Okay. Thanks for being here, Aret. Eh, Absolutely. Oofta, I need the Lord to constantly be reminding me of this truth that my battle isn't against flesh and blood. And I'm praying this conversation was encouraging to you today and will bring a new awareness to who your battle is also against. I also wanted to give you all an update on Andrew's transplant, if you've listened to our previous episode about that. It has sadly been postponed indefinitely due to COVID. It is considered an elective surgery, unfortunately, and all elective surgeries have been postponed. If you would join us in praying for the Ruttons, that the Lord would continue to sustain Andrew and Bailey as they figure out this new normal, with there not even being a surgery date on the horizon currently, would you join us in praying for a date that would stick? And would you pray that our faith and trust in the Lord would stay steadfast and firm? This was such bummer news to receive, understatement of the year. But... We know that the Lord is sovereign and in control overall, including the delay of the surgery. And for that, we're truly grateful. And that doesn't mean we lacked any tears when we heard this news. That doesn't mean we didn't cry out to God in confusion and frustra- frustration. We may not know what he's up to, but we trust and believe that whatever story he is writing, his name will get the most glory. And he is growing our dependence on him even more. And for that, we are sacrificially thankful. So thank you for your prayers we truly covet them. Friends, if you were encouraged by the episode today, would you leave a review and share it to your social media spaces? I would so appreciate it. As always, I would love to hear from you. Please, friends, feel free to reach out to me at sunning65podcast at gmail.com or DM me on the gram at Schultz underscore. Friends, go be bold and love big, and we will see you next time.